that's rolling. <laughs> I just reminded myself of something. So there's the show PJ Masks on uh, on Disney. It's a Disney okay. show, and it's like these three little uh, these three kids dressed in primary colors. There's like the main boy, and then like the 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 girl, and then like their their you know pudgy friend. And uh, okay. he's not even that pudgy, but he's drawn kind of that way. Sure. So my son loves PJ Masks, and um, the so the the heroes' names are like Amaya. Greg, I think, and Connor is the name of one of the characters. Ah, and Connor okay. it wears blue. He wears Catboy. That's his superhero okay. name. And Greg is Gecko, and Amaya is Owlette. Okay. So I say all that because I just for a second I was rolling all the backups and all the recordings, and my voice kept increasing. Mm-hmm. And I've been talking lately in my house about how the the person who the 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 you know, Powerpuff Girls ask, you know, narrator of the show, night in the city, you know, the kind of a mm-hmm. guy as, mm-hmm. as they transform into their, uh, into their superhero alter egos. It always starts out with like Amaya becomes, you know, Owlet. Greg mm-hmm. becomes Gecko. And then the last <laughs> step, he goes way up. It's not like one, two, and three. It's like Amaya becomes mm-hmm. Greg becomes Connor becomes it's, it's, like, it's like he's flipping through a stack like I'm gonna have to do 10 of these oh is this the last one? Oh, Joe okay I, I imagine what happened was he was he was recording those like on separate days and yeah. couldn't remember what it, key he was in it was it was a pickup on like a Friday and like you know yep. what it's almost the weekend. I want you to really go for this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, there's no gradient. It's a straight up jump. <laughs> and so like, I, I keep thinking about it cause that's like my name. So, yes. so I, there's no, there's nothing in, I can't apply it to my life. It's not like Connor finds like, like <laughs> right, I, so right. I can't go like Connor finds the mail or his phone. It's right. like, there's nothing in my life where I'm walking through my house and going, and there's nothing I become unless I become Correct. angry or hungry, but Right. I'll just be like patting like my son on the back. Um, not my older son for his accomplishments, my younger son to burp him. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I'll, uh, I'll just be walking through the house and I'll just be like, Connor becomes, <laughs> it's the, it's currently the stupidest thing I do. <laughs> That's awesome. I know. I really do think it is awesome. <laughs> um, Okay. Well, anyway, uh, <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's hello. Welcome to the show, everybody. We're going to talk about some movies and we actually got some topical things to discuss. Not, not that we don't, but with, especially with coronavirus, we've, you know, not seen a lot of recent releases or anything because not many releases have been recent, but that's been a really good, uh, opportunity for me to dive into like the movies I own that are like the classics or, or, or notable, uh, yep. We talked about Jaws last week. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jawsome, and um, Jawsome, Jawsome. But uh, want to talk about a few things that just we just happened to catch because I don't know if just a few things. Your movie is a little bit older than the the two I've got, but um, mm-hmm. but things that are recent and and well within yeah. the the release um, uh, uh, mess of coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing I wanted to uh, talk about tonight was Hamilton. The ten dollar founded father without a father got a lot farther by working a lot harder by being a lot smarter by being a self-starter. Daughter, daughter. To your union, revolution, 
Hamilton is the the Broadway show. You've heard of it, and obviously, if you're listening to this, you probably know it's on Disney Plus right now, um, mm-hmm. I, permanently. I, I think, right? I mean, it's yeah. it was yeah. it was the, mm-hmm. the film. The, what happened was the film rights, um, not to like an adaptation. It was always going to be a filmed coverage of the of the Correct. play. There was a recording in 2016, like June 2016, like yeah, a long time ago, and yep. um, and. Uh, and so that was going to be released in theaters in like 2022 or something crazy, which yeah. that seems like a really long way away from, it seems like a huge gap, Yeah, but maybe it it's, you know, but it's of the original Broadway cast. So mm-hmm. you've got Lin-Manuel Miranda and, um, David, uh, David Diggs and Jonathan Groff. Um, and oh, I don't have the cast in front of me like an idiot again. Um, <laughs> But uh, the, the the original cast, um, yeah. not like the Chicago cast or like you know mm-hmm. the, the the cast that you know that took over when Lin-Manuel wanted to do Mary Poppins or whatever, right? Um, and so maybe that's why it's so valuable. But it was originally supposed to be in theaters mm-hmm. a couple of years from now, and then of course coronavirus, and I think Disney just said. I don't know what the odds are going to be that, you know, so I don't know what the motivation was. Cause I, I'm sure they could have made sure. a, a boatload of money from that, but for oh, whatever yeah. reason, they were like, all right, we're just going to drop it on Disney plus on the 4th of July. And mm-hmm. so they did. Um, and again, I don't know if it's cause it's an election year or, mm-hmm. or, <laughs> or, or what, um, yeah. as it was when it was recorded. Uh, yeah. but nevertheless, if you've never seen, uh, the stage show of Hamilton, AKA if you don't have thousands of dollars of disposable income, uh, before all this, um, it's yep. on Disney plus and you have $7 of disposable income. You cannot watch this with a free trial. You cheap bastards. I saw an article about how people <laughs> are trying to do that. And Disney was ah. like, not in my house. <laughs> um, man, they predicted that. I know. <clears throat> they were just like, Hey, we're going to get a lot of people who are going <laughs> to, we're going to make some money off of this guy, get some signups. Yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah. So I watched Hamilton. I, I'd listened to the soundtrack on like hoopla or something at the time, although it's on Spotify, um, uh, for Hamilton, probably in like 2017, maybe. So I, I knew yeah. I had, I knew I loved the music. Um, but, I had never seen the show and didn't think I was going to see the show or whatever. Um, let me rattle off the cast. Sorry. I want to get this right. David, uh, obviously Lin-Manuel Miranda, but he's not even top billed in the cast. There's David really? Diggs, Renee Elise Goldsberry, Jonathan Groff, Christopher Jackson, Jasmine Cephas Jones, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Leslie Odom Jr. Oh God. Oh, Kirite, Anna Odewan, Anthony Ramos, and Philippa Sue, uh, who plays um, his wife, Eliza. Hamilton. Um, mm-hmm. so the, the, the movie is, you know, it, there's nothing cinematic about it in terms of like camera, uh, use. It's sure. just, it's a film stage show. So there's some rigging and everything like that, but it's not like you're getting angles that, that you wouldn't be able to see in a play necessarily. You're getting, it's not like they've got a steady cam on stage cause there's an audience watching this film. You can hear right. them. So, yeah there's no disruption. It's they didn't do the play like in an empty auditorium and put cameras on the stage or anything. This was just a, a a taped performance. Um, so I heard, um, other analysts or, you know, film people breaking it down in terms of like, you know, 
these are people who live in big cities who can see it, you know, on the stage. They're like, well, you know, if you, if you, if you, if you're, I don't know, if, if you, if you never saw the stage show, like there's nothing cinematic about it. There's not like any, um, angles you're getting that are necessarily make it a cinema, um, mm-hmm. you know, necessary. Mm-hmm. But what it does do is it brings an amazing show into the homes of millions of people. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I don't have a grade for Hamilton. I, I didn't come prepared with a grade. I just sort of wanted to mention it. Um, but I, I liked the music. Not everyone's into this. Um, uh, you know, the, the, the premise it's, it's the story of Alexander Hamilton. The cast is, is largely minority. It's, you know, obviously the founding fathers, a lot of these characters, uh, were white or, you know, you know, mm-hmm. white, light skinned. Um, yeah. the cast is largely African-American and, uh, and Latino and, uh, and Asian. And, mm-hmm. um, the idea I think with that was to, it's just sort of inherently provocative to have mm-hmm. that sort of casting for, for those characters. And that, that was to the show's advantage and its appeal. And obviously the fact that the, the music is largely in the style of like hip hop, um, or, or in other rap styles, um, but it's not like, you know, I've, I've told someone that I told someone older that, um, when I was explaining what the show was and they were kind of like, Oh, it's like, mm. <laughs> yeah, you know? And so you gotta, if you're, if you're, if you don't like rap music, like hip hop, not like, not like gangster rap, like, like sure. if you don't like hip hop as a musical style, even a little bit, mm. Hamilton is probably not for you or sure. it's the it's the show that will actually make you appreciate that, that art form, that style more, mm-hmm. um, because it's not about a lifestyle you have, you can't relate to. It's about the founding fathers, the founding of America. Um, right. So, uh, um, there's, there's a, there's a, a bunch of, a lot of the musical numbers in the show are very, um, well constructed and, um, there's a lot of artistry on the stage to behold. Uh, the group choreography is great. The the production design and the stagecraft on the show is really great. Their set is. My wife noted that how impressive she thought the set was and the lighting mm. was. Mm-hmm. My wife comes from technical theater. That's her background, so that's high praise. Um, there is no low praise from Mrs. Hooper. Um, right. <laughs> the, the weak do not survive <laughs> the, the the critical pen of my wife in theater. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I encourage people to watch this. It's right there on Disney Plus. It is long. It's like two forty. It's almost three hours wow. long. It's okay. it has a little intermission built into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is an evening, and uh, I watch with the subtitles because I want to actually hear what they're saying. And mm-hmm. so I I didn't think that that was really a cheat at all, considering the a lot of the lyrics are fast. Mm-hmm. I wanted to keep in, I wanted to stay oriented in the story. Um, mm-hmm. I remember halfway through thinking like, I really like this, but there are people talking about, they've watched it like four times and it's like 36 hours, but I would watch this again. I think this is worth mm-hmm. a repeat viewing. I think all the actors are great. Lin-Manuel Miranda is fine. Um, he's not like the strongest person up there, but um, David Diggs plays two different characters and he does it so so well, Jonathan hmm. Groff is in the is on stage for like a total of six minutes as the King of England, and every time he's on stage singing, he's incredible. Hmm. Um, and uh, Philippa Sue as his wife is great. The, the cast is great. I like the music, and I fully recommend people uh, 
check out Hamilton, especially if you've, you've probably listened to the soundtrack before. And if you have, and you were like, I like that, it's worth seeing and worth hearing an audience laughing, um, at the jokes and, um, you know, seeing the actors actually seeing their expressions. You're not in the back row. You're not in the balcony. There's a camera right there. You can actually see their expressions and that Mm. it, it, it does play to the advantage of, uh, of the performances. See, I've never, I'm, I'm not a huge musical theater guy. Yeah. Um, so I've never had much interest in this. Um, I've never heard any of the music. I couldn't tell you a name of anything, any track, any person, anything. Yeah. Um, 90% of what you just said is news to me. Um, um, but, um, but yeah, no, I mean the fact that it's on Disney plus means it's something that I could check out. Right. Um, and, and before if it was, if it was literally just listening to the music before, yeah, I wouldn't have done that. I didn't do that. And you could get this now with the music, but even more just digesting it as seeing characters and orienting yourself mm-hmm. within the space on stage. Yeah. I think what you can appreciate about it, what you would appreciate about any well done musical is set up and pay off with melodies. Mm. A lot of times mm-hmm. like, like Les Miserables is full of um, like the first song in the whole play is look down. It's look down, look down, you're standing in your grave. And then like, you don't really hear that melody repeated again it, within mm-hmm. the, the, the film too much because it doesn't relate to Jean Valjean being in prison or Javert being, you know, uh, a, a police officer until they, they're confronting each other at some point towards the end of the film. And that, that song is not playing and that melody is not happening again. But mm-hmm. for a second, it comes back for like a couple of bars in a totally different song. And it just calls back to their relationship. And mm. so what's really good about musics and musicals is if it's done correctly and it's done with some craft, you have kind of like a movie score. You have like a theme or melody that kind of comes in every now and then into other parts of the story just to remind you, you know, with audio. Emotionally. Yeah. The yeah. relationship between these characters or and, and that is all over Hamilton. Like mm-hmm. I, I think it's a really well done just musical story. Mm. I think it's really cool to bring the story of this person into the homes of a lot of people who otherwise probably, I mean, look, our, our, our education on history is shit in the United States. So it's, it's cool to like have some be like, yeah, here, here's Hamilton, a complicated guy, Mm -hmm. um, with, with complicated personal life and a complicated political life. And here's his opponent, Aaron Burr. You probably Mm -hmm. heard of Aaron Burr as the guy who shot him, but you don't understand that like they were sort of like political rivals, but not like in a nasty way. Like it Mm -hmm. sort of humanizes Aaron Burr. Mm. Um, you know, it shows you Hamilton's flaws, but, but within the, within context, it's, it's anything a good story should do, especially with a historical figure. Um, and I mean, if you're going to get distracted by the fact that George Washington is black, then (laughs) well, then, okay, that's right. It's not for you, but you know, um, Mm. it's just a play and it really, I was going to say, yeah, it is fictional. Yeah. yeah. You don't notice. It's not like I'm going, but he wasn't, Although I did hear someone did tell me it's like I can't get over the fact though that a lot of these people like own slaves but they're played by black people. How's that? I don't understand. I was like, you're not meant to. You're not meant to think about that. It's right. Not, it's not the point. The the, the, right. the point is kind of taking it back almost. You know. Mm, um, sure. And uh, yeah, it's <laughs> of course I think about it now. I'm like, I don't. But it's not like it's not like it's ugh, anyway. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just you know. Yeah. 
the, the the one time where it's okay to sort of like leave that part out of the story is mm-hmm. is this time. So right, sure, sure. With this cast and these characters. So anyway, I I did not mean to talk this long about Hamilton, but I think people should check it out. They have Disney Plus, and they've never even you know. I think it's worth it. If not just to say, oh, what's all the hype about? Fine. If you come out saying Hamilton sucks, okay, then you didn't like the style. Sure. Someone was shocked the other day when I told him I hated the, the, the show Hollywood or I didn't care for the show Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I talked about it on this show yep. and it was just because I wasn't into what they were doing. Yeah. They were doing yep. this revisionist thing. I wasn't into it. You could yeah. make the exact same argument for Hamilton. Sure. Okay fine sure if you want a bunch of six-year-old white people up there rapping about you know the constitution yeah or not no. at all th- uh, then you don't want what this play is right sure but uh i i do i like it yeah i think that's cool i think i think that that's a cool like subversion of expectation in in like a good way yeah uh, and um and yeah i i, I think they, they don't cool. change anything about the story all they do is take like what is a lot of times seen as like a stuffy hard to understand area of time where everyone talks super proper and and it's not the characters are like it's not the characters talk super colloquially but Mm. they do they're they're speaking in in rhymes and speaking in a a certain rhythm that is completely anachronistic yeah but it it helps you to understand what actually is freaking going on yeah because if you read Mm. you're reading the constitution you're reading a history book about things it's sort of the power of, of drunk history, which I watched later. Lynn manuel Miranda had an episode of Drunk History where he talked about some of these events in Hamilton's life. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that's fun about drunk history is just hearing someone speak super plainly about what, what happened in during this historical event. Yeah. And even if even if they just say, Hey, Aaron Burr was like, Yo, why did you do this? Yeah. Why what what's what's going on? Why what kind of bullshit is this? Like, it's just, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it just helps you relate to the characters a little bit more. Sure. There's a lot of reasons I've stated in the past about why I don't like other things that could apply to why I wouldn't like this, but I do mm-hmm. like this. Sure. So, yeah. Um, okay. Um, do you want to go for a little bit on your, uh, on your review? Sure. I'm excited to hear. <laughs> about this let, let, let me pull up a couple of my bullet points here okay. um because i did I, I didn't write uh as much as i wrote for like birds of prey yeah. but uh, I, I wrote a couple things all right what's your film tonight and so uh my film tonight is scoob scoob do you realize where we are no look around man the clean modern aesthetic the cool blue color palette we're in ikea the falcon fury did you say ikea nope i said falcon fury just like you Whoa, whoa, whoa. Shaggy and Scooby were taken? Yeah. This blue light came down from the sky and beamed them up. I, I can't. I, I can't breathe. I have it was to originally meant for theatrical release and then uh, released in the middle of the uh, quarantine uh, as a um, video on demand kind of thing. Um, and it has now dropped on HBO Max, which is strange because it's only been out on vod for a month or so yeah not that long not long enough for them to make a lot of money off of it so that's a weird decision (laughs) um but um but yeah so i wasn't gonna pay for it but since i'm already paying for hbo max i will watch it um and uh yeah so here's what i'm gonna do before i even start i want to i want to say two things one well let me ask you this how do you feel about spoilers? 
for for this film yeah for this film i'm totally fine with <laughs> okay all right everybody so there might be some spoilers here thought you meant in general but, i was like well no no not really but right <laughs> but not really uh i no. mean this it's a scooby-doo movie so spoilers are you know sure yeah, whatever um all right so knowing that now let's let's talk about a couple things. Okay. First of all, I do want to go ahead and preface it and say my star rating for this is one. Um, we 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 famously kind of labeled one star as it pissed me off. Yeah. Um, that that's where that's where I was with this. Okay. Um, to the point where my wife just started laughing at my constant eye rolling and head like <laughs> drooping and um like at one point i like slung my head back and hit the wall um i hit the wall on accident but it was it it, it was deserved um so the plot um the plot of this film is um Shaggy. So we start with young Shaggy. He's alone. He has no friends, and he meets a, a curious little pup named Scooby, and uh, well, he names him Scooby, and adopts him. And they get into some trouble, um, and end up meeting uh, three friends: Velma, Daphne, and Freddie. And they take down a a guy in a haunted house, very reminiscent of actual Scooby Doo stuff. Um, and a pup named Scooby-Doo, which I loved. Yeah. And um, and uh, they become friends and they say, hey, you want to do this like forever with us? And they're like, yeah, sure. Cool. And then we cut forward and, you know, now they're adults. They right. do they do like a um, uh, like a shot for shot remake of the intro for Scooby-Doo. Where are you? Which is kind of cool. I mean, it's, you know, the same sh- stuff just in. 3d 3D, it's in you know 3d animation it's it's cool it's fine um and then when that's over we're like into the movie um the movie's plot is a lot more convoluted it is uh shaggy and scooby uh are kind of ousted from the group a little bit and so they uh, they go bowling to take their pain away i don't know and they end up getting uh all the pain away bowl the pain away um and so they uh end up being attacked by some uh robots who are disguised as bowling pins for no reason and and they <laughs> chase know they them. come here a lot yes <laughs> i have they, an idea that actually is 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 what happens oh, and so yes and so they this is evidently someplace that scooby and shaggy frequent, frequent. <laughs> um and i do i do think there's probably some level of pun to that that they frequent like the bowl um i i, I guess that kind of makes sense that oh, they the, the stoners like, or something i don't know the um because that was never that's never been established that they liked a bowl. That's the Fred and Barney. Stoners, um, if you wouldn't mind, please email us if it's not too much trouble and tell us if that's sufficiently a pun or I, not. I don't think it's a sufficient pun, no. but I think it was supposed to be. People use um, bowls for lots of things. Yeah, Scooby's I don't a know. Dog. He eats out of one, presumably. Pres- well, he eats with his hands. He does. Yeah, giant sandwiches. Yes. Um, Does can you use his opposable thumb? Yeah, yeah, totally. This is a rabbit hole. I can't get stuck <laughs> on to like how does the other Great Danes can can all Great Danes do that? Just Scooby. He's the greatest Dane. No, I don't know. I don't know his whole in the show. He has like a like a brother Scooby Dumb that shows up at one point. <laughs> and- and don't forget Scrappy. Like they can all do stuff. They can hold stuff. Um, 
<laughs> I, Sco- I, if I remember right, Scooby Dumb is like, hey, Scooby, hoo, hoo. <laughs> like, whatever. Hey, brother, how you doing? <laughs> it's like the, it's like the quarterback from the Water Boy. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, but I don't know who's dumber because I can kind of understand Scooby Dumb better than I can Scooby Doo. <laughs> and then Scrappy sounds like he's pretty articulate. Yeah. Um, Anyway, rabbit hole. Um, so Scooby and Shaggy get chased. <laughs> they, they get chased out of the bowling alley and abducted by um, the Blue Falcon. So this leads me into what is a, a strange feature of this film, which is it's trying to be the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, it introduces yeah. a lot of other Hanna-Barbera cartoon characters that presumably could be spun off into their own thing. Yeah. Um, and so Blue Falcon and Dino Mutt, um, voiced by uh, Mark Wahlberg and Ken Jeong, um, respectively, um, uh, abduct Scooby and Shaggy to protect them from Dick Dastardly, um, who has a plan to uh, do something. Mm-hmm. Um, something and, bad. Yeah, something bad. And he needs he needs Scooby um, in order to because Scooby is the key. And uh, (laughs) anyway, so he's the chosen dog or whatever. I don't know. Anyway, so that's that's what's going on. Uh, Um, And look, the plot is, by my estimation, terribly uh, uh, unoriginal and stupid Um, and and. And wholly not Scooby-Doo. Um, th- this becomes a superhero movie, you know, with action set pieces yeah. and um, loud explosions and things. But bear in mind, Scooby is a mystery. Scooby. <laughs> I don't know if it's, no one can see this, but me and Dustin, but out of the dark <laughs> corner of my screen, I just saw something moving and I was like, what is this? Oh my God. The Babadook. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just... That slow shot where <laughs> yeah. it comes out of the show. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I mean, look, Scooby-Doo is a mystery story. It's, it's for kids. It's a, it's, you know, a whodunit. Um, this is not, this is a superhero story and it's very strange yeah. to, to change it up that way. Um, you can almost tell the kind of genre it wants to be by, by what the MacGuffin is like, yes. the, the, you know, someone being the chosen one or just the key to something. Mm-hmm. It's like, that doesn't happen in a mystery. No, exactly. Um, you know, Scooby, the Scooby movies and, and cartoons were always pretty simple, pretty simplistic, and they yeah. weren't action packed. No. Um, I mean, the most action packed thing is that they run through a hallway and like come out of different doors. Yeah. Like that's it. Um, but this is like terribly loud. I, at one point I, I looked over at my wife and I just said, this movie is nothing but noise. And I felt so old just saying that, but, but it's true. Like some animated films just become like this cacophony of strobe lights and, oh my God. and just nonsense. And that's what this movie was. You're describing my life. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then you have like the more thoughtful things like Pixar, which yeah. I always take any day of the week. Um, but like a lot of, a lot of animated films these days, it's just like shouting and running yeah. and we have to get to the thing. Explosions, oh my gosh. Things, and explosions, things popping open. Yeah. Confetti. And, and yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah. yeah, like like at one point, um, uh, the Blue Falcon like comes down in like this. Uh, I don't know, like he he's like being lowered down or flies down. I don't even remember now. Um, as he's being introduced, and there's like strobe lights, and they're like, 
everybody, it's Blue Falcon. And they're like, you know, announcing him and it's just like screaming. And there's like, yeah, like air horns and fireworks (laughs) and all kinds of stuff. Confetti, like like everything. And it's just like, this is too much. And then, of course, later in the film, he comes back down as like a DJ and he has like some sick DJ beats. And I'm just like, this is so bottom of the barrel. Um, And and so like the plot just is terrible and and there there's more about that in a minute but but let's move on to the voice actors so the voice actors in this film um the only um the only actor reprising a role is frank welker Um, frank welker plays scooby-doo um and has been the official voice of scooby for some time um but um like probably at least a decade i think probably since uh yeah, one of those Scooby-Doo shows, probably around like 05 or something, he mm. probably picked up on that. Anyway, the point is, um, so Frank Welker plays that, but but the voice of Shaggy is Will Forte. Um, the voice of Velma is Gina Rodriguez. Fred Jones is voiced by Zac Efron. And Daphne Blake is uh, Amanda Seyfried. Seyfried? Seyfried? Yeah. Se- Stir-fried. Stir-fried. Um, and, and then, of course, like I mentioned, uh, Mark Wahlberg, Jason Isaacs, Ken Jeong, Tracy Morgan, um, Ian Armitage, McKenna Grace, uh, the list goes on. It's it's a who's who of, of celebrity talent, yeah. um, which is ridiculous because um, – and I know the, the actual voice actors of these characters have expressed that they were not – asked to return um it was never a conversation to get matthew lillard who is the official shaggy or gray delisle who is daphne like um or even frank welker who has always voiced (laughs) freddie freddie jones literally um uh, except for the live action scooby-doo movies and the video games based on them yep he has played freddie in every incarnation of that character 50 years yes for 50 years and 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 they just handed it to Zach Efron. Um, and and look, here's the thing. We've we've said this before. Nothing against celebrity talent, but the celebrity right. talent has to uh, make sense. Like it has to be a great performance. Right. And especially in this case, to take it away from great performers and performers who have been this voice, these voices for decades um, and and and. I specifically want to talk about Will Forte because Will Forte um, sort of carries the film. It's really Shaggy's movie. Um, can I can I add something to why I think yes. that is? I was going to mention yes. of all Please. those cast members, I feel like Will Forte probably has the most. It's probably the only one who actually grew up watching Scooby Doo. Most likely, like obviously, like a lot of these other actors are our age or a little bit older. So like Zac Efron. Um, I don't know how old Gina Rodriguez is. She looks young, um, maybe a little older than the other two, but Amanda, uh, stir fried is, you know, the two of them are basically our age. So we grew yeah. up watching Scooby-Doo, yeah. but I don't I love Scooby-Doo, but I also don't assume that other people our age grew up watching Scooby-Doo. Yeah. I feel yeah. like we tapped into something that's, I feel like our group of friends yeah. typically tapped into something that maybe people, son of a bitch, this phone won't, <laughs> won't, uh, uh, I feel like people, uh, they're slightly older than us typically yeah. are. It's like we got, we got like included in a loop of people who have interests from like the, the mid to late eighties. Yeah. yeah. And I, I just feel like we, we narrowly missed a cutoff where everything, everyone who's like a day younger than us has yeah. completely different interests in terms of pop yeah, culture. Totally. Like yeah. I relate to a bunch of like 36 year olds right now. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, so I I can't say that like it's not as likely, but I, I I just feel like Will Forte of all those people actually grew up with the most respect for the source material and yeah. got into the. He's not he's not like a money chaser. His name doesn't sell. Yeah, you know the film like Zac right. Efron does. Yeah. So I I look at that list. I'm like, he seems like he really wanted to play Shaggy and actually sure. tried. Sure. So um, he looks so, like yeah, him I, in this I, picture on Google. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, look, I, I love Scooby-Doo. I grew up watching Scooby-Doo, but you're right. Like I grew up just watching everything that was on Cartoon Network. Yeah. And so like I, I was watching this with my wife and, and she's three years younger than us. And she, um, she did not have the emotional attachment to this property that I did. Um, and so like, I'm, uh, oh, it's Blue Falcon and Dino Mud and, and, and Dick Dastardly and Captain Caveman. And she's like, who, who, who? And I'm like, well, yeah. And I kind of even hardly know some of them. Um, like Captain Caveman. Does it's Captain like, Caveman I, do the yell? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that's all, that's basically all I know Is about it. Is any him. good? Uh, it's Tracy Morgan. He actually does it. He actually does it does fairly it okay? well. All right. Um, but, um, I love Captain Caveman. That's like, that's right. That's, uh, if, if I'm ever like launching, if I'm ever riding a, a rocket to something, yeah, yeah. like a missile, that's what you're gonna yell. I'm going to go, Captain Caveman. Captain Caveman! <laughs> I hope it echoes uh, as my corpse yes. burns. <laughs> yes. Um, but having said that, like these actors, and like I said, especially Will Forte, uh, do not pull it off. Um, Will Forte, again, you know, I, I hate to single anybody out, but but the, the thing is, um, Shaggy has a very distinctive voice. Yeah. Um, it, it's very often mimicked. It's, you know, just about everybody can do a Shaggy impression. Um, it's kind of like, it's kind of like Mickey or Bugs Bunny or any of those other legacy voices. It's like, it's yeah. really easy to do an impression of it, but, but, but you when have it comes to down to being that character, it's, yeah. it's not so easy. But Will Forte doesn't even do an impression of him in this. Um, he he kind of rides the register like yeah. like you should, you know, from from low to high. Yeah. Um, but that's all he does. There's no rasp to it. There's none of that like uh, uh, hippiness to it. Yeah. Like this feels more like a nerd. My wife kept saying this sounded more like um, Carl Weezer to her. Um in, in, he was playing it nerdy. He yeah. wasn't playing it like a hippie, you know, stoner character. Um, well, you can uh, eat weed a lot more easily these days, Dustin. <laughs> so I don't think he should sound raspy. That's uh, okay. Well, know. sure. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but it was it, it was it was incredibly lacking. And and then yeah. beyond just the the impression, like, do you sound like Shaggy? Um, the performance was off. The performance was not believable. Yeah. And, and I think it's because he was writing his register and, and it makes it, it makes some of the line readings awkward. Um, so anyway, you know, it, there are better voice actors out there and they've been doing this for decades. And so it's weird to bring in these characters, the, these actors to play these characters and they, they just can't quite hit it. Um, Speaking of, uh, the characterization is off. Um, they, they label at the beginning, these characters as Freddie is the tank. Uh, Velma is the brains and Daphne is the empath. And then Shaggy and Scooby, they, they're like, well, we're not really sure what you guys are. Right. And so, but I'm like, I don't quite read it that way. Sure. Velma's the brains, but that's about it. Daphne's always been kind of a bland character. Yeah. Um, uh, a damsel in distress kind of. Yeah. And I guess I could see her as a, as an empath. Sure. But 
uh, but Freddy is not a tank. Freddy comes up with the plans at the end yeah. of every episode. Um, he's not just some, you know, jock that has no brain. See, and I, I always saw Freddy as the guy who owns the van. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like, and he does in this too. Fre- Freddie and Daphne are like the face of the Scooby Doo detective agency. Yeah, but it's really Velma uh, yeah. who carries like eighty percent of the detective work of all this yeah. stuff. Yeah. That Freddie totally. and Daphne are sales and transportation, sure. and sure. Scooby and Shaggy. I'm not sure why they're there. They're the X factor that helps to solve the case. But right, I, I right. never saw Freddie as neither a tank, um, even though he seems no. like the most physically capable character. Sure. But he dresses like a dandy and he drives a weird van. So <laughs> right. I don't know. I, I just always assumed that Freddie was like, like Freddie and Daphne were like high school sweethearts. Yeah, and yes. so they're a package deal and they, you know, uh, like, like Freddie, yeah, he's transport and he also is, is logical. And so, you know, Velma can figure out how to solve the mystery, but Freddie can figure out how to trap the villain oh. or like he can come up with like a, some sort of a, you know, device to, to win the day. Um, but okay. So one last thing, I'm so sorry kind of, to add to no, this, but I, I just thought of something. I feel like sure. actually the mystery machine is Shaggy's car. Feels like a van that he would own, not Freddie, but yes. Freddie probably said, listen, um, I'm the only one here with a driver's license. Right. So I should drive this van. And Shaggy like, said, okay, okay, man. Okay, man. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Um, I'll still sit in the back and eat snacks. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And like, that's it. Right. And, um, but so the characterization's off, um, yeah. and not to mention, they don't solve a mystery in this. So they're like, <laughs> what they do kind of doesn't ever come into play. Right. Um, so that's very strange. Um, and then, and then, so the next thing I want to talk about is the references, the film is chock full, like any terrible kids movie is chock full in the trailer of, of references. Like, uh, they mention Netflix, they mention Tinder, yeah. they mention like Google and like all of these things. Dwayne the rock Johnson. It's literally like, this is what middle-aged people think kids talk about. <laughs> and it's not. And they even mention that in the, in the movie, there's like a moment where they're trying to explain to somebody who Shaggy is. And they're like, he says like at the beginning of every sentence. Have you seen anybody like that? And and the person they're talking to goes, he says like. That sounds more like a middle-aged person, like what they think a teenager talks like. Yeah. And I'm like, but you just described your own movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Screenwriter? Gosh. Why didn't um, you just look at the look at the lens when you said that? Right. Um, but but the <laughs> biggest is so so I left this part conveniently out of the plot description here. Yeah. And I'll and I'll go over it very quickly. Um Hey, do you guys want to form Mystery Inc. and we'll do this when we're grown up? Sure. And then cut to they're grown ups. They're sitting at a diner, um, and Velma and Freddie are like, "All right, look, we want to take Mystery Inc. and make it an actual business. So we're looking for investors." And so they said, "So we have an investor meeting us here at this diner, um, and he wants to talk to us." And the investor comes in. They animated Simon Cowell. Voiced by Simon Cowell, who comes and sits down next to Velma, and he's like, and he's the one that labels Freddy the tank and Daphne the empath and Velma the brains. And he goes, but I don't know what you two do, and points to Freddy or points to Shaggy and Scooby, Uh. and they get their feelings hurt, and that's why they leave the group. Okay. 
And so the whole movie, they keep calling back to Simon. I can't believe that Simon Cowell is part of the actual treatment for this film. I know. He's not like a throwaway cameo. His name is is on the beat sheet for this. He's the inciting incident. (laughs) Oh, no. He's the inciting incident. And like, so a couple things. (sighs) One, is Simon Cowell known as an investor? (laughs) Why not make it like Kevin O'Leary or Mark Cuban or something? (laughs) But even then, why not make it like somebody from the Hanna-Barbera catalog, like Race Bannon or... (laughs) You know, I don't know anybody. It could be freaking Jabberjaw. I don't care. Like, like, I don't, I, it doesn't matter, but just like, it needs, it's not, it needs to be somebody. I'm taking my money and exiting stage left. Stage left even. <laughs> you don't have any, you don't have any capital even. <laughs> Oh man! He does what have was the people. name of the What was the name of the Hispanic horse? I can't remember his name. What was his name? Uh, John would know. Um, <laughs> we should have had him on. Oh crap! What is his name? Oh, anyway, whatever. Um, yeah, Stackelpool so, didn't have those cufflinks. He didn't get those cufflinks out of the the garbage can. That's that's uh, that's that's business acumen. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, so so Simon Cowell is like a figure in this, and they they continually call back to him like maybe Simon Cowell was right. Maybe we are just goofballs or whatever. And and the whole thing is dumb. And I'm just like, first of all, do kids know who Simon no. Cowell is? Has Simon Cowell been culturally relevant since 2002? No, they get him and Gordon Ramsay mixed up so much. Yeah, Gordon Ramsay would have been fine. He's culturally relevant. But even then, who are you aiming this movie at? Yeah. Kids wouldn't care. No. It could have been a fictional character. Yeah, it should have just been John Q. Dickbag investor, you know, like, <laughs> right, right. Like, it, it's so stupid. Um, <laughs> and then, and then, like, so then there's, you know, all the, and maybe it's a reference for the adults. I don't know. Who knows? And, and there are a lot of adult references in this, like, like around uh, Blue Falcon, mostly. Um, Blue Falcon at one point, um, uh, he, he mentions that his, that he wrote a book and then title of the book was, um, no Falcon around. Oh my and then, God. Yeah. And then, which I can only imagine kids coming out of the theater and quoting. And then, um, and then there's a, a point at one point, like, like it's a, it's a very pronounced moment where, um, blue Falcon takes, I keep wanting to say captain Falcon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> show me your moves. Blue um, ruin. Yeah. Blue. So Blue Falcon takes out a a one of his gadgets to use, and it's called an f bomb. <laughs> and so he's trying to give it to Shaggy, so Shaggy will throw the f bomb, but Shaggy doesn't want to throw the f bomb. He's like, "No, get the f bomb away from me!" And and anyway, so it's it. There's that moment, and I'm just like, man, kids, kids uh, really are going to repeat some things after this movie. Come on, uh, I'm not falcon around. <laughs> right. Um, but look, like at the end of the day, um, between all of those things, the cinematic universe that just is a failure because, you know, who cares about blue Falcon and dino mutt, um, or captain caveman, um, in the end credits, you see like illustrations of Jabberjaw and McGilla gorilla. And I'm just like, nobody knows who any of these people are. The only ones that people know are like Fred Flintstone and George Jetson. And even George Jetson, people kind of don't know. 
Like people only know Fred Flintstone and Scooby-Doo. Like that's it. And the only reason they know Fred Flintstone is from the cereal and the vitamins. I could have, I it. could, I could tolerate this entire movie with all these characters. If every single living soul in this film was voiced by Bill Hader. <laughs> yes, uh, that know, would be great. That would have been, that would have been an attraction to see. Right. Sure. But all these celebrity voices with all these off offshoot characters that, that shouldn't yeah. even really be in this world is, is, is a it, doozy. It, yeah, it is. Um, but between all of that, you know, and, and what I think is the film's major flaw, which is that it is not a mystery, which they try to make it seem like it, like, why is Scooby the key? And I'm like, that's not a mystery guys. Oh. That's just finding out the plot of yeah. the movie. That's <laughs> yes. not a mystery. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, I, it, between all of that, like, not only does it not feel like a Scooby-Doo movie because the voices are wrong and there's too much screen time for non Scooby-Doo characters, um, like Blue Falcon has more screen time than Velma, Freddie or Daphne. Um, and it, it, sh- it just doesn't feel right. Like it just does not work. And so I understand the, the idea to launch a cinematic universe. And I understand that you want to give kids something a little different because there are always, you know, uh, direct to video Scooby-Doo movies coming out like every year. There's probably like two or three of them every year. Um, and so I get it. Like you want to do something different when he hits the big screen, but it, it just didn't work. And so, uh, at the end of the day, it's a one star because it did make me mad because it did not give me at all what I wanted. Um, and, and not even in like a Ryan Johnson subverting the expectation ways, but in like a, in the way of like, I don't understand what Scooby-Doo is, but I've been hired as the screenwriter. So I'm just going to write something and I don't know, I guess it'll be about Scooby. Got to make money. Right. And so, you know, it's just, it just, it falls flat emotionally, even though they try and it falls flat in every conceivable way. So Scoob is a one star. Um, I would say skip it unless you're just morbidly interested. Um, and, and, and truth be told, like if you have kids, um, I've seen some people say like, Oh, it's not bad for kids or whatever, but I put myself back in the shoes of Dustin at eight or 10 years old. And as much as I love Scooby-Doo at that age, and I did, I don't think I'd like this movie, even 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 yeah. if I was that age, you because would, it doesn't you give me it a out. Fix. Like you would yeah. check, like, but even like seeing variations or like different like direct to video movies about the, those characters, you watch it because you want to. You're you, you and I are completists, so I imagine you know there's a lot of stuff for Christmas specials or this and that of a lot of shows that we were into, but you can always tell like this is made by different people or this voice cast is different or this doesn't really track what the characters I'm used to. Even, even when they're off just with a little bit, even when they're still made by yeah. the, the property that owns them, it's still like, this is weird. Yeah. And so even when it's not like super horrible, it's still strange. I'll give you a good example of that. I don't know if you remember when Scooby-Doo on zombie Island came out, we were probably like in fifth or sixth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that movie was like, a really big talking point down here in, in Georgia, um, for a couple of reasons, primarily because the monsters ended up being real and people thought it was like, uh, I don't know, Satanists or something. I think they kind (laughs) of were. And so anyway, there was a lot of like Christian moms who were like, we're going to return this, this video here because our kids, we don't want our kids exposed to devil worshiping or whatever. Same year. uh, My teacher gave me Harry Potter, uh, the (laughs) first book and, and it was taken from me. 
a teacher gave me Harry Potter and because of all the hubbub, my mom decided to read it first and she, she, she read it and then said like, I don't, I don't really know, you know, maybe if you're interested. And so she asked me, are you interested? And I was like, nah. And she's like, okay. <laughs> and my, so that was my extent with Harry Potter. But my, my, oh, well, I'll tell you a story later. It's not important. Anyway, okay. It's- <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, like the case in point is when I was a kid, I really liked Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Um, it at least felt like Scooby-Doo. But my favorite part of that was the opening sequence, which was basically just a straight up, like, uh, you know, nicely animated version of the TV show. And then it like, you know, was done with the little teaser. And then it went into like, you know, years later, the gang is disbanded and, you know, Freddie and Daphne have like a TV show now and whatever. And like all that stuff, I was like, yeah, because it didn't, it didn't hit that Scooby-Doo, you know, itch that I had. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, like that's a good point. But then, but then like, you know, I, I did collect some of the other movies after that too. And, um, and, and I just, I loved Scooby-Doo, but this did, this doesn't feel like Scooby. So even 10 year old Dustin, I don't think would like it because the voices are weird and the characterization is weird. This isn't, these aren't the characters that I know. And, uh, it's just strange. It's just, it's just, um, you know, it's not a mystery. It doesn't, it doesn't remind me of Scooby-Doo. It's just Scooby-Doo in a superhero movie. Um, it's a blue Falcon movie that stars Scooby-Doo and that's all it is. And so, uh, yeah, so eh, no, I I can't, I cannot recommend it. All right. One star for Scoob. Um, they don't even call it Scooby-Doo. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's it's their laziest, like uh, Scoob. Scoob exclamation point. Um, all right, real quick uh, for the end of the show, I want to tell people about a, uh, a movie um, that is on Hulu, um, and it is called Palm Springs. So now what do we do? You just have to embrace the fact that nothing matters. Do you sleep with people in here? Great question. I have, but it takes a lot of work. May I cut in? It's the first dance. And that's a deal breaker? That didn't work. <laughs> Let's waste some time. Palm Springs was directed by Max Barbacow. 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 Um, it is his. Come dir- on down to Evans Barbacow. Barbacow. Um, <laughs> it is his directorial debut. And um, written by Andy Ciar, it stars Andy Samberg, Kristen Milioti, uh, Peter Gallagher, and J.K. Simmons. Um, and it is a time loop movie. Um, these uh, the the film uh, the film features uh, I guess I'll, these two characters, um, Andy Samberg and Kristen Milioti characters. I need to find their first names real quick, just so I don't have to do that the entire time. Niles and. Sarah, um, and uh, the the setting of the story is Sarah's sister's wedding in Palm Springs, and um, these two strangers meet. You know, their sister, played by Kristen Milati, Sarah, uh, meets Niles, who um, we quickly find out is um, pretty expeditiously because you've seen the trailers, so you know the premise um, is a you know is stuck in a time loop where he lives the same day over and over again for eternity, a la Groundhog Day, Edge of Tomorrow, a happy death day, you know, that, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
but he but he uh, he accidentally pulls her into it mm. something happens um they're in the same place he's going to this little to this cave this is all in the trailer he kind of kind of going back to this little cave that resets the day and she follows him in there and now she's stuck in it too and so she is she is the window to the audience in terms of this is new to me what's going on and he's like okay i'm not sure exactly how it works but um you know, here's how it works and we can't die and, um, blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, you have to accept that life is meaningless in order to kind of keep your sanity in here. Um, and JK Simmons plays another character we don't see, but for a few scenes who is also stuck in there. Um, and so you've got a total of three characters who are who are in this situation, and um, the film is really good. I give it four and a half stars. Um, oh, wow. I really enjoyed this. This was a darling at Sundance um, earlier this year in January. It pre- premiered at Sundance, uh, and it was um, purchased, but, you know, I think after... Um, uh, well, they were acquiring the distribution rights. Neon and Hulu acquired the rights to the film. Neon recently put out uh, Parasite, among mm-hmm. other things. Yep. Um, Neon's kind of another little A24 type Up and place. coming. Yeah, it fell, yeah. Uh, co-founded by Tim League of the Alamo Draft House. actually. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's his hustle. And uh, so they paid reportedly $17.5 million for the film, which breaks the previous record for the highest sale from a film from Sundance uh, by about three quarters of a million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and it actually says later reports put the deal closer to 22 million after guarantees were factored in. So it made about, and it, it's, it's in limited release in select drive-ins across the country right now because of the, the coronavirus. So it only made about $164,000 in 66 theaters from this past opening weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's on Hulu. So if you have a subscription, you can check it out. Um, and I definitely recommend it. I, it's got a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I give it f- uh, four and a half out of five stars. Um, I thought it was really well done, especially for the time loop movie, which, you know, you maybe you've seen it one seen it all, but there's not that many of them out there. Actually, it's because it's a hard premise to, to do well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I haven't seen Happy Death Day, but I've heard that for like a, you know, be like a B movie slasher film, it actually treats that premise fairly well with f- mm. fairly logically sure um and that, that i actually want to check that one out here it's a lot of fun um yeah but i you know groundhog day is a classic i really yep. like li- um uh edge of tomorrow live yep. that repeat whatever live you want repeat. to call it um <laughs> uh but um and i think that this is a really great film and a really really worthy entry into the into the genre um uh yeah it's it's like a five million dollar budget i mean and it's it's a re- it's really easy you're at the same place you go to a few other locations but it's it's a pretty small scale movie and the the best part about the movie is the chemistry between Kristen milati and um Kristen miliati and andy sandberg um who is obviously a super likable here but not like a like a dunce like he plays on tv you know he's sure he's he's goofy and he's kind of aloof but he's a he's a real person and she's a real person as well. And you sort of flesh out their problems and insecurities and issues through their attitudes towards eternal, you know, whatever, uh, imprisonment in this situation they're in and how they cope with it and how, you know, when you're in that situation, maybe you go rob banks and you have that obligatory moment where we're just going to do a bunch of crazy stuff. We're going to, we're going to steal a plane and fly it drunk in the, in the Mm -hmm. desert. And you watch a plane crash and it's funny for once. Um, right. 
and uh, and um, a lot of really, really, really the, the middle part of the film is just comedy gold. They're doing all this ridiculous shit and it's it works super well. And it works because the two of them are so good on camera together in those comedic scenes. But also that's really grounded by an emotional chemistry they have as two characters who are kind of in a romantic situation eventually and, and mm-hmm. in building as well. Sure. And the film wraps up the science fiction elements of the plot pretty believably um, as far as those can go. Like anything you wouldn't believe in other movies happening, you can believe here because these characters have nothing but time. Sure. Um, so think about that for a minute. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I really love Palm Springs. I think people should check it out. And um, even J.K. Simmons, who's in here, you know, like I said, for like the blink of an eye, every scene he's in, which I really think is like a total of four or five scenes, mm. um, he's great. And he's always um, great, man. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know what else to really say about it. I I I just thought it was it was super funny. It was very efficient with the storytelling. There's not anything wasted. Every every exposition scene is is couched in a comedy premise. Um, you know, there's always something else going on in the scene that's interesting while they're talking about other stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's just really great. You know. Awesome. Um, yeah, that's Palm Springs. It's on Hulu. Check it out, please. Nice. Um, yeah. Um, all right, real quick, that Harry Potter story. Um, okay. My, I had to tell him, I may have said this in the podcast before, but I had to tell the story to my daughter recently because she's currently reading the Harry Potter book. She's six years hmm. old. She's in the middle of the third book. She read the first mm-hmm. book in nine days. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, she's, she's very literate for her age. Okay. And Great. so... Um, we were, I was talking, we we're talking about, she finally asked me one day, I was like, when the, when's the first time you read Harry Potter? And so I'm just telling her, telling her the answers. And it was like, well, when I was in fifth grade, a, um, a, my teacher at the end of the year gave us all, but bought the whole class a book mm. and it was mm. all different. It was based on our personalities and our interests that she had sort of garnered throughout the year. I can't remember if she had given us like a quiz to fill out or something anyways. But the way I remember it was she picked a specific book for a specific student. And mine was Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. This was, well, I mean, that's fifth grade. I was 10 years old. This was 1999, yeah. you know, sure. um, I think there was only two or three of the books out at the time. Yeah. And um, so she gave me the first Harry Potter film and it was the last day of school. It was before summer. And I went home and I was just like, you know, boy, this is going to sound like a, like a, like a, like a, like a takedown. I, you know, told, showed my parents. I was like, Hey, you know, check out what Miss Sullivan got me. So of course this was in the height of like reading about Harry Potter. And of course, yeah. if every Christian review blog was like, it's about wizardry. And yeah. one of the main characters is a witch and they want to teach him to be a better wizard and wizardry. And everyone's like, what about Chronicles of Narnia, and the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? parents literally gave me those as an alternative. Why don't you read um, The mm. Hobbit or mm. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? And mm. I looked at them, and they were old copies. They were like, you know, yeah. whatever, second editions of the Chronicles sure. of Narnia. And I was like, I don't want to read this old shit. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and the Lord of the Rings, which, you know, or The Hobbit, which I didn't even, Lord of the Rings wasn't a film yet. It was yeah, yeah. being filmed at the time. Yeah. But we didn't know that, you know. Dude, that's and, so uh, weird to think about. And they gave me those as alternatives. And I was like, yeah. and so, of course, in hindsight, I'm like, are you crazy? And so, uh, 
And so my daughter asked me like, um, like I, I, I can't remember how exactly the wording was, but pretty much just like, why didn't they let you read the books? And I was like, I, you know, I didn't want to tell her like the real reason. I was just like, I don't know. They just didn't think it was appropriate. And she was like, well, I'm reading them. And I was like, that's because I don't have a problem with you reading those books. And I want you to read the thing when when your kid is reading and they're reading really early and they're really, really, really advanced at it. You don't Mm -hmm. take books away from them unless it's like mein Kampf, which wouldn't even be in my house, you know? Right. Yeah. I was going to say, how'd she get it? How how did this get here? Um, A teacher bought it for me. <laughs> Specifically for me. We got to change schools. <laughs> or, or, or you need some new friends. I don't know what's going on. Um, but like, yeah, it, you don't, you don't take books away from your kids. And it's just like, I don't find anything objectionable in the books. They teach, they're, they're, they're good and evil allegories. Yeah. In fact, my, my, I, 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 my, yeah, my daughter asked me, I was like, oh yeah, when did you first read Harry Potter? How old were you? And I yeah. think my parents, one of my parents was in the house at the time. And I was like, I was 21 like or 22 yeah. or whatever I said. Yeah. Uh, I was, yeah, I was 21. I, I read all seven books between Deathly Hallows part one and two. I read them all in college mm-hmm. and, and, and senior year. Um, gotcha. and cause my wife bought them for me mm-hmm. and, um, and I was so appreciative cause I was like, this is what I missed. This is what I missed yeah. out on growing up. Yeah. And now my mom has seen all the films and loves them. Yeah. And it's just ironic that it all ended up that way. That, that's the way. That's that's the way it was here too. It was it was very much. Uh, once it became a talking point, there was yeah. no rational discussion to be had. Yeah. It it was simply. That's no, it. no, no. I heard it was bad, yep. so it's it is bad, and 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 that's that's a shame, dude. Because th- those books are no different than. Uh, Narnia or Lord of the Rings. It's just because it, they weren't written by a Catholic author, basically. It's like you can't entrust this subject matter to a non-religious author because they may not couch it, you know, well. And it's like, well, that's so close-minded. And it, Well, it, I've always said this, like Harry Potter's closer to like Green Lantern than it is, you know, anything actually harmful. Right. Because it, its kid has magic tool magic tool can do most anything kid can think of. Right. And, and it's, you know, it's good and evil. There just happens to be the word witchcraft attached to it. And I think that was the, that was the pushback at least that I heard um, back then was, was, Oh, well, you know, Narnia and, uh, and Tolkien, they they don't use the word witchcraft. And I'm like, but they use witch and the, wizard. It's yeah, implied. They're using magic. <laughs> yeah, it's implied. Yeah, and it, it, yeah, it's the just heroes uh, are you using know. magic. The one, the main one, the one of the white knights is a is a wizard. Yeah, right. So, so like I said, like my mom, she she read it, or at least part or most Skimmed of it, it. I don't know. Yeah, and and then she didn't see anything in it that was like ridiculous. So I, I, my memory is that she asked me if I was interested in reading it, and I just said no. Because I've I've never really been much of a reader. Yeah. Like I I enjoyed I enjoyed reading what I wanted to read when I wanted to read it, and um and always scored high on my reading comprehension stuff as a kid. But yep, I just too. didn't I just didn't like to read. Like I I there were other things I I wanted to be outside more. Like that was where I was, or or you know watching cartoons or whatever, and. Um, and, uh, and as you can see, I've reviewed Scoob today, so that's paying off. And, uh, and so, yeah, like that, uh, yeah, I just, I, as my memory is that I rejected Harry Potter. Yeah. I don't remember being like 
totally interested other than like, oh, wow, I wonder why she thinks I would like this. And my yeah. friends all read this. So that's, it's interesting. And mm-hmm. a lot of, I think there was a small part of it. Maybe this is just hindsight reading it, but a lot of people I knew who read it were girls. And I was like, hey, okay. girls read this, you know, like what's, mm-hmm. what's going on with that? You know, like it just, it was, it was something everyone was into and I was yeah. peaked. And this is around about the same time that I stopped reading books so much and got into like movies and stuff and which is good obviously, but like, but this is, I think part of when I stopped reading recreationally and I'm not going to blame that on my parents or not being able to read one book that was popular. But I will say that like being turned away from something that I in hindsight now realize would have been transformative for me as a kid Mm -hmm. who Mm -hmm. knows what that could have done for me as like, as, as a kid who, who was uncomfortable talking to my, my peers, because I didn't, I didn't see myself as equal to them. You know, I'm mm. God, I'm sorry. I don't want to make it sound like a, like I was wronged or I was some sort of like, you know, wrong. Like a, yeah. 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 Victim. It's just like, I know I'm nothing like that, but I socially wasn't comfortable approaching people in my class because I assumed that they all had cooler interests than I did. And mm. I just had one less window into the conversation by not being able to read that book. Mm. And literally everything I've said about it just now is the height of what I feel about it. I don't carry yeah. this with me, but it is like whenever I think about it, it's like, oh yeah, I missed out on that. But you know, other yeah. kids missed out on like you know food, <laughs> right, like, right, right. You know, other things like friends, you know, summer yeah. experiences that that I yeah. did get to have. So I'm not gonna cry about not being able to write, read Harry Potter, but. You know, you know, it, it's interesting the, the way you just described your your childhood in a way uh, and your relationship with peers. And and I, I, I feel like I, I went through something at least somewhat similar where, you know, I tried to adopt the the interests of the people around me um, and and kind of like quash my own. Um, and, and there were times like when, when I would meet somebody that was like, oh, it's similar interests, you know, you you like SpongeBob and I like SpongeBob, you know, and we'd watch SpongeBob together and like, that was it. Right. But like, uh, for the most part it was, oh, all my friends are into skateboarding. So me too now. And, and so that, that's sort of how it was. And then it wasn't until college really that I, I I found like a group of people that, that had similar interests and at least validated for me that like, oh, Watching a lot of cartoons, I wasn't the only one doing that. Or yeah. watching like movies over and over and over, I wasn't the only one into that. We 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 hit a particular time where those sorts of things were on the upswing in terms of quality, yeah, and emotional resonance. But it was yeah. a period before I feel like they were being talked about as those things. Yeah. yeah. So one of the reasons, like you know, the whole '90s kid thing is so special to a lot of people is like. Or even just talking about it on social media, like thirty years after the fact, uh, about that or Transformers or or certain yeah. things, because I don't I don't know that any shows before really Transformers or a lot of the shows from the '90s really did this, but like people talked about them as like that made me feel this or that taught me about this issue or whatever else, yeah. you know, because yeah. only live action TV was doing that. Only sitcoms were talking about the issues and yeah. or movies, you know. But really, when it came to families and children and and the issues of facing the country it wasn't really through film that that was being explored for, for, yeah. for the average kid. It was through television and, and yeah. sitcoms and FCC friendly, um, yeah. 
presentations of those issues. And through animation, you subtly were taught acceptance, inclusion, diversity, mm-hmm. um, uh, tolerance, you know, I, I think friendship, there's something to be loyalty, said. bravery. Yeah. I think there's something to be said for the fact that like there were so many cartoons like, you know, like the Simpsons where the characters were not colored like, like people, like the, it wasn't flesh. It wasn't real life flesh tones. tones, Um, and so, and so it kind of, you know, yeah, like, like you didn't see people in that way. Um, and, but, but yeah, you're right. Like I, I, there's so much that I learned, whether it's through like the Cosby show or Hey Arnold or, you know, whatever it was. I mean, they, 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 they weren't afraid to do like a full episode of static shock on racism. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, like that was, that's what we grew up with. And, and, and it did, it did carry emotional weight and it taught us things. And, um, and yeah, I don't, I don't think that's something to be, you know, ignored, uh, the power that though, that, that medium, not just, not just animation, but, but television in general has to, to train a young mind and, uh, and teach a young mind things that are important. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, man, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's the, all in all, the moral of it was like, all right, well, I'm not going to be the reason that my kid isn't exposed to something that's potentially going to be really, really helpful to her. Um, I mean, I'm not gonna let my kid watch like, you know, horror movies this young, but like, I, I mean, my kids have already seen Jurassic Park and maybe that was a little bit of a misstep as a parent, but at the same time, it's not, I mean, like, it's it's a little scary, but like, it's a really good movie and they were paying attention. Yeah, yeah. That's why I didn't say, look at this Jurassic Park. Right. I was like, yeah. they, they, they were enjoying it. Quick story about the first time I saw Jurassic Park. I was, I was probably your daughter's age. Really? Um, and, and I was at, um, I was at my grandpa's house and he had it. I don't it. think I saw Jurassic Park till I was in college. Well, yeah. Um, I, 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 I just remember my parents going out like on a, da- a date night or whatever, and they yes, dropped yes. us off. Parents at, are always not there when that happens. Right, <laughs> dropped drop us off at me, mom, Papa's house. Yeah, and uh, and Papa was like, "Well, let me go put in a movie," and he put in Jurassic Park, and yeah. I was transfixed, man. Oh, yeah. Like, and then and then I remember when when my parents came home, my mom was like, "What? You showed him what?" Yeah, and I was like, "I loved it. Yeah. That was cool." But I was I was a weird kid anyway because like Jurassic Park, I'm like, ah, no big deal, right. whatever. But like. E.T. I was so afraid of E.T. Oh, the man. first time I saw E.T. My big brother was so scared of E.T. Dude, he had those weird gangly fingers. Oh, and he's like, he's like, he's like in the bushes, like make the bushes move. And yeah, like, dude. Where is he? You know? Yeah, it's scary, man. When I was a kid, that scared the crap out of me. And so did Men in Black when the, <laughs> when the guy stole the guy's face and like wore his whole body as, wore his skin. We're going to talk about this. Um, well, we won't talk about this. We'll, we'll talk about Indiana Jones at some point on the show. But yes. um, I remember my friend Jack, who, who who wants to come on and talk about Indiana Jones with us. Um, the first time I saw Mission Impossible was at his house. Mm. And that freaked me out because like those masks like yeah. are so creepy and just having them peel off. I yeah. was scared of that yeah, movie. Dude. That freaked me out. Just because you don't That's... you don't understand it really. Like I saw that when I was like twelve. You know, I, it yeah. was it was I didn't like it. It was so that freaky. And John Voight is... is just scary on screen in that film in general. Yeah. Yeah. That that's so similar to to that from Men in Black. Yeah. Right? The alien comes down, steals the guy's 
skin, yeah. puts the skin on and goes in there and he's like, water. And it, and his wife is <laughs> yeah. like, you you look weird or whatever. And he pulls his skin back, oh, yeah. like grabs the back of his head and pulls it back and his skin's all, Ugh. it's, oh, that was scary, dude. Yeah. As a kid, man. Yeah. There's a lot. I wish I could remember when I, the, the, how old I was when I saw certain movies, but memory is so unreliable. I, I don't think I'd be able to actually tell you how old I was with a lot yeah, of these. Men in Black was probably like, what, 98? Yeah, about 97, I think, was okay. the first movie. Yeah. You know? I was young. I saw Men in Black, uh, yeah, around about that time. I had a friend who was really into it, and so you know, I, I'd seen it, but I don't know. Yeah. That, that I, don't, I don't recall having any feelings about that part of it. Sure. All right. Um that's going to do it. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll talk about it next week. Next week, uh, we might have a movie. We might have a topic. Don't know. Yeah, uh, we've yeah. got some stuff. We'll do one of them. Yeah, okay. Thank you everybody for listening. Follow the Instagram channel and, uh, uh, and all everything. I don't know. I don't know. Go see some movies, see some movies. Don't go anywhere, but see some right, movies. Right. Um, yeah. The case count is, skyrocketing so go, go to your television go to and your, see a movie yeah go to where you are yes and watch a movie there right yeah check out palm springs not scooby not scoob scoob not scoob scoob yeah all right goodbye everybody goodbye, goodbye.